Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Are you enjoying what's going on with with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson as much as I am, Dusty? Um, How so? Well, listen. I mean, I'm not following it like super closely, so I'm not exactly sure what you mean. But I know it's a mess. So... This week specifically, because of the franchise tag uh, window opening up, there have been a lot of reports on the state of the relationship between Lamar and the Ravens. And I, I still think there's a pretty decent chance he's back in Baltimore. But what I'm really enjoying is just watching Ravens fans melt down. Like yesterday, the report from Jeff Darlington was that every time the Ravens have offered Lamar a contract, he's countered with a deal better than what Deshaun Watson got. And there's just something deeply funny and deeply poetic about those jack wagon fans who get to celebrate and stole two titles from the city of Cleveland after crying for a decade about how their team was stolen. It's mm. just finally nice to see a little bit of dysfunction and a little bit of discomfort in Baltimore. Yeah, I like it. I like the, I like the idea there's a little bit of dysfunction that's you know, becoming kind of um, transparent in the media because typically those are you know those organizations like Pittsburgh and Baltimore and New England, some of the really good organizations, they don't really seem to have drama. And when they do, I feel like people like us and other fans of teams that don't have quite as much success do kind of thrive in that and enjoy the fact that these teams are having a little bit of uh, an issue. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, and to what what you said, Dusty, there's. You know, we've seen, all right, well, there's drama with a linebacker in Baltimore. Or there's a there's drama with Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. But the kind of inescapable, uncomfortable drama that, that comes to the NFL really only comes at like three, actually four key positions. It's owner, it's front office slash GM, it's head coach, and it's quarterback. And when it's quarterback... I mean, your options are to either sit and stew in your own filth, which is what Baltimore's done without giving him this contract, or at some point you either got to bleep or get off the pot. Mm-hmm. And so any which one of those are uncomfortable for Baltimore. And, and you know, we had Albert Breer on um, at the last hour as he was uh, he was coming off the mountain after having a great weekend uh, with his uh, with his kiddos, and and I had asked him. Because it just does, it's, a, it's apparent the Ravens don't want to pay Lamar what he feels he's owed. So I asked Albert if anybody around the NFL 
assuming that Lamar were to get the non-exclusive franchise tag, meaning he can negotiate with other teams, uh, I, I asked Albert whether in that case, if any other team around the NFL would actually be willing to give Lamar what he's looking for. History tells us that, that any quarterback who's starting caliber, you know, a good starting quarterback in the league is going to command that much less a guy who's won an MVP before. So, yeah, there's the injury concerns, and I think that those are real. The fact that he couldn't finish the last two seasons is, you know, would be problematic and something you'd have to consider. But I, I think what would win the day here is the environment in the league and the environment that everybody has to operate in. If you're a team in the AFC right now, and this is sort of the explainer on why the Browns threw Baker Mayfield overboard to go get Deshaun Watson. Like, just think about this. For the next 10 years, it's not just going to be pulling one upset in the playoffs, then you get to the Super Bowl. In the AFC for the next 10 years, you're going to have to go through some, some combination of Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, just to get into the Super Bowl. And so how do you get into that club? You go and try to get somebody who can measure up with that group. And so I think because of that element, like Lamar's plenty good enough to say, yeah, you know, if we can keep him healthy and we can get him going, we can build an offense for him, then he is the type of quarterback who could give us a shot to be able to beat those sorts of quarterbacks consecutively. So, like, yeah, I think that there's no question about it, like, that if he gets, you know, the non-exclusive tag, someone is going to sit there and say it is worth it to put, they say, a four-year, $200 million, fully guaranteed deal for him, knowing, you know, if the Ravens don't match, we're also going to have to give up two first-round picks to get him. It's so unheralded to think that in the first place, Dustin, the Ravens could hit him with a non-exclusive franchise tag because it just never – I mean, Dak Prescott, exclusive franchise franchise tag. He couldn't negotiate with other people. Every quarterback, every elite or somewhat elite quarterback we've seen hit the open market. If they've been franchise tag, it's been the exclusive one, which means you're locked into that one price at half your price. I don't know that Baltimore is going to be dumb enough to tempt fate on this. But I hope it does because I think I think the second they hit Lamar with a, a non-exclusive franchise tag, I think Lamar becomes the number one uh, quarterback. Not Aaron Rodgers, not Derek Carr, not literally anybody else in the NFL. I think everybody will want to see where Lamar goes before any other domino falls in the quarterback market. Do you think Lamar is going to get, at some point, the money that he wants? Is he going to get $200 million guaranteed? Um. I, if he if he's going to, it's going to have to be this offseason. Because you know there's going to be a team out there. There's got to be. There's mm -hmm. got to be another team that is desperate, as desperate as the Cleveland Browns were last year in terms of, or two years ago in, in terms of getting Deshaun Watson and being willing to say, you know what, we have just not been able to find our quarterback in the draft. Draft picks to us aren't, aren't that valuable. F those picks, whatever you want to say. And someone's going to either trade for him or – you know, give up a lot for in, in terms of if they franchise tag him, and then he's going to get his money. Like if someone decides they want him, whether it be the New York Jets or the Raiders or who, you know whoever you you can name the team, mm -hmm. they're gonna they're gonna pay the guy. I, I just <laughs> unless this whole him not having an agent thing is killing him because he just doesn't know how to you know negotiate contracts himself. And by the way, not many players do mm -hmm. <laughs> and I wouldn't know how to do it either that's why I had an agent when I played so maybe it's time for him to hire an agent I think I think the only way it really hurts him is in trying to negotiate with the same team I think once you get on the open market it's mm -hmm. pretty impossible if you're an MV, former MVP as a quarterback it's pretty impossible 
to screw up that market because I don't think there's just going to be one team willing to pay him $200 million. A year ago, with all the allegations and lawsuits against uh, Deshaun Watson, different style quarterback I know, and, and Deshaun's the more favorable style of quarterback because there are people who still don't believe in running quarterbacks in the NFL. But there were 13 teams that placed a call on Deshaun Watson. That damn near half the league, with everything, with having not played a year, with all the allegations and, and lawsuits against uh, Deshaun, almost half the league made a call on Deshaun. And there were five teams. Really, at the end, there were like four teams down to the wire, but there were like five to six teams that actually made offers for him. So mm-hmm. all you really need is two teams interested if you're Lamar. And I'll, uh, the second they hit him with that non-exclusive franchise tag, I bet you he's going to have at least 10 calls. And then beyond that, he'll have a couple dates set up to go meet teams. And then I would imagine he has multiple offers. And at that point, it's just how far can you drive up the price? Because the, the, the hardest part of this is the compensation in a trade. Well, that's already set because of the exclusive franchise tag. Mm-hmm. Or the non-exclusive franchise tag. Cavs lost last night. What? You know, let's play the intro. We're going to do this the right way because we have not done the Cavs hype panic scale because they won so much there. And then the Philadelphia game doesn't count, of course. It's the last game before the All-Star break. So we're going to do this the right way. This is the place to track the ups and downs of the Cavs season. This is the Cavs hype panic scale. We are all going to die. All right, they've lost two straight, Dusty. I think we're all going to die is a little harsh, but... <laughs> well, but that's the panic. And then the, the slide whistle is the it's, there's some hope in there, and then there's some not hope. We're all going to die! I mean, in fairness, if you were on Twitter at about 10 o'clock last night, that's exactly the tone that people had about the Cavs losing a game to a Western Conference opponent. Yeah, I wasn't on Twitter, so I don't know, but I, I'm guessing oh. there was panic based on the, the calls this morning. What's that? Oh, no, I wasn't on Twitter last night. I wasn't. I was on NyQuil and out cold in my bed, in my mansion. I, I, I was out cold in my bed. Um, in your mansion. I was watching the game. I just wasn't on my phone. Mm. On Twitter. I wasn't on Twitter. But that was the pay. I mean, and I mean, obviously, we played early in the show. We played some of the calls from the morning show. Mm-hmm. And the reaction. Play, can you get them again? You, you want give it to At you again? One, like, like one of them. Uh, yeah. Can we get uh, the the calls we played in the beginning of the show, Dave? AM caller one, I think, is what it's labeled. Because there may, may be some fans, Nikki, that missed it earlier, maybe missed the morning show, so they can get an understanding of how crazy people were this morning. And, and so we're going to play one of the calls. But it's important to note that not only were th- was this was pretty much every call I heard on either Ken and Anthony or – on Baskin and Phelps earlier today about the Cavs. Darren, on the west side, you're next up on the fan. Hello, Darren. Ken, uh, I'm so, so disappointed in you, but I'm going to say what you want to say but can't say for whatever reason. What? This, Gar- this Garland-Mitchell what? thing is not yielding the results. They haven't elevated and taken the step people think. The chemistry's Holy bad. Jesus. Gar- are you Garland nuts? Are is- you not, what, what are you doing? So they are meeting and exceeding those expectations of what I had. Now, if my expectations are not high enough for you, the thing is, uh, Mitchell takes a lot of he shoots too much and he takes bad shots. Garland it, stats are empty. When it's crunch time, he fades, he folds. 
I've seen this on the road, especially. You watch it. This guy's box office, and I'm talking about Mitchell. He's box office, and I get the deal. They had to do the deal. They'll put fannies in the seats and all this other good stuff. But when it comes down to the meaningful games against the contenders, this team cannot beat them. I know they had to do that trade, and I and again, I get it, but I don't like what I see. I don't like the chemistry. It's non-existent. I don't know what that caller was expecting them to look like 60 games in. Was he expecting them to look like Dame and C.J. McCollum five years in, just 60 games in? Like, that's the thing. Like, people who, who are criticizing that pairing together, I do think it's, it's, it's clunky at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I do think that um, the lack of offensive system is hurting them. I think JB's lack of creativity as a uh, a play caller, I think, is hurting them. But everything I've seen, one, the more they play together, I do think they're going to get better together. And here's the other thing. They're winning. They've got a really great chance of being a top four seed, and both guys, they're averaging roughly 48 points per game together. So it's this is as good as you could have expected it to be. So whether they lost to Denver or not last night – I still am so much more hyped about the Cavs than I am anywhere close to paranoia, even though I know or or um, panic, even though I know there are some realities we're gonna have to deal with over the final twenty games of this year in, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I would expect like the panic level to be pretty high if this were. Remember that Friday night game against the Warriors when they sat all their starters and the Cavs lost by like ten points. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's panic to me. But you just played arguably one of the best teams in the Western Conference. They've got 43 wins. They've got the best offense in basketball. Maybe the MVP in Nikola Jokic. So they're a damn good team. The Cavs were favored in that game by two points. And it was a back-and-forth game just like anticipated the entire way. And in the end, the only part that makes me panic a little bit is I'm a little concerned about JB in those final two minutes of games when a lot of games, especially in the postseason, are decided. Yeah, and I, I I think people are giving – I hate when we say general things, but I do think most people are giving JB the pass. If if I start to look at where my concern lies, I I do think there's always going to be a natural friction – or not, not friction because that denotes a negativity. I think there's going to be a, a lot of mindfulness between Donovan and Darius, and we should throw Evan Mobley into this. When you have this much offensive talent, as each of these individuals are, there's always going to be a give and take and a mindfulness that has to be there. But here's the thing. I think they've already, uh, to them, for the most part, most of the game they play well enough together. That final two minutes, that to me is about JB. Yeah. And specific to the undersized uh, backcourt, JB has to prove to me that whether it's a system, whether it's a set of plays, whether it's, uh, I called them guardrails earlier, like, hey, this is what we're going to fall back on, and it can't just be iso ball. And I've heard people defend this. Oh, well, that's how you play in the NBA. Uh, not all the time. There are games, there are matchups where you will go, all right, it's Donovan's night, and he's going to get into iso, and that's going to be the offense inside the final two minutes. There are also games where even great ISO players, they don't do that because it's not conducive to winning every single matchup. That's like saying, well, we only play one type of defense. We're only we're straight up, we don't we don't dip into any other coverage, or we don't we don't you don't match up, or rather you don't accommodate 
and make a change because of who your opponent is. Because we're just uh, we're a two. Well, we're a, we're a two one two zone team. That's all we play. <laughs> I mean, even guys who who love that that theory understand that it's not a one size fit all. So to me, it's about JB. It's about help these guys because when JB was asked about it last night, well, you know, we've got to learn that. Uh, you know, we got to learn that in that moment, you got to go with a hot hand. And you got to keep feeding Evan Mobley. Hoss, who's who's the conductor of this choo-choo? Who's the guy driving the train? Because it is JB, and he doesn't. He has not consistently taken timeouts uh, late in game. He's not consistently valued chunks as much of thirty seconds to a, a minute of clock time, and he's kind of allowed it to play out. All right, well, that's cool for the first sixty games of the year. Final 22, your ass better be using every second of the clock to your advantage. You better be scheming up plays, micro and macro, and, and doing everything you can to instruct your players to win. The guy doesn't have a voice half the time, and then when it, <laughs> when it comes time in the final two minutes, all of a sudden, it, he's a damn mute. I, Nick, I wish I had a good answer for you. I mean... We can go back and point many times where there there have been a timeout. They, I remember the one game where they had like the review for like two extra minutes, and they came out with nothing. And the 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 lack of using timeouts mm -hmm. late in games. I mean, that five second call they had that one game was just inexplicably embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Allen, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, Nick. Hey, Dustin. How are hey, you man. guys? Doing Good, well, buddy. Man. Thank hey, you. Like, you know. Uh, we were, I was talking to the screener. I was saying, like, you know, it hurt me that the Hawks is going after Quinn Snyder because I thought that he would be a great fit. But it's like, you know, with the offensive and obviously having the connection with Donovan. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, D'Antoni would be a, a great pick, you know, if this don't work out with JB after this uh, season. But I don't, I don't think we should string this along, like you guys have been saying all day. Like, if we're seeing that he's not the guy after this year, we shouldn't give him another year. We can't burn up. We can't burn up Mobley's years where we got him under this contract as less. We got to maximize it while we can. Well, and I and I obviously I agree because you're agreeing with us, Alan. I thank you for the call. It's not just about Mobley's years or Garland's years. It's you just. For me, it's an evaluation year of the players. But when I say evaluation year, Dustin, what I'm really saying is you're just seeing how they kind of naturally fit together. But the guy that it's an evaluation year for, if you can't make help them fit together, you're not here. It's JB, right? There, there are two. There to me, there are two variables with the Cavs that can change over the next twelve months if things don't fit the way they should, or if everything doesn't go the way you should. the The one is JB, and the other is Jared Allen, because he's the only expend expendable member of. Your, your big four of your core four, that if you really end up needing a wing to play next to Evan Mobley, if you really end up needing a OG Ananobi, that kind of player, he's the only guy you're actually going to consider dealing to get that. But that, to me, is the two-year-from-now question. The question now is, is J.B. Bickerstaff, can he prove himself? And when people say, oh, but you got to give him a chance, well, how many years are you going to give him? It's the NBA. Your, your window, when I say window, Dustin, I'm talking about the ability to consistently win year in and year out and use that to, to, to change who the Cavs have been without LeBron James. 
and you haven't been consistently good since the Mike Fratello era, and really, I mean, consistently one of the best teams in the NBA since, you know, Mark Price and Brad Doherty. Yep. That's who you've been without LeBron for 30 years. But Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and to some extent uh, Jared Allen, they can they can transcend the organization. What what Kawhi and company did for for Toronto, what and, uh, until obviously this year, what um, what Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway did for the Heat on a ridiculous level, even though they've been able to import superstars every year because they live in Miami. That's what this represents. This this is a golden ticket for a middling NBA franchise without LeBron James. So. No, I I got patience with J.B. Bakerstaff till the clock uh, ticks down to zero at the end of the Cavs' playoff run. And then it's time to have a real conversation. Did he grow? Did he help your core grow? And if not, I'm sorry. Coaches get fired for less all the time. I don't care how many regular season wins you have. Did you get the most out of Darius and Donovan together? Did you help them grow offensively? Because I can find coaches that can emphasize defense and then find a way to build a conducive offense that fits three talented offensive players like Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Donovan Mitchell. I'm not saying fire JB, but this nonsense about, oh, we got to wait, we got to give him time. Why? Win. That's what he's got to do. And he's done enough in the regular season, but where it really counts, the final 20 games and in the playoffs – I got to see this guy can coach in the final minutes of the game when it matters. Because if he can't, I'm not wasting time on it. I'm not wasting Donovan Mitchell's prime on it. Uh, I'm with you. I think that what what we see the next, you know, 20-plus games and then also in the playoffs is going to determine whether this guy's back next year. Because we already know the course here. And I I'm, I don't agree with you. I don't, I don't think Jared Allen's going to get moved. I think that he's a big part of the future here. Oh, I, I don't think it's fait accompli. I just mean that's that the two most movable pieces and it, it change pieces that are easiest to change out and make a change are JB and Jared. I think Jared is not likely to be moved in the next year. I think that might become a conversation in the future. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure. I, I'm not trying to trade Jared Allen here, <laughs> especially after his Kevin Love uh, went out for a, a cigarettes uh, comment earlier this week because that was – Build a statue for that man. They do have the the game against the Hawks tonight. And I know that on that little run that they had, Dustin, where they had that winning streak right before they lost to the Sixers, right before the All-Star break, I know they they had a couple really nice performances in the second half of back-to-backs in a row. I still don't trust this game at all. Like, I just, I can't. They're still young. They're still a team that struggles offensively. And I'm going to need to see, like, five wins in the second half of back-to-backs before I trust to, to to gamble at the behest of the Cavs in the second half of back-to-backs. I'm with you on that. I, I 100% am. I feel like, you know, when you when you look at this team, it's just you never know what team you're going to get, and that's a concern. I feel like they're going to win this game tonight, um, but it's just a gut. Like, I don't know. Like, you never know which team's going to show up. I also want to get back into how good Evan Mobley is, but we uh, we did uh, tonight. We, tonight will be your Jared Allen parlay night. It's, it's so funny you said that because <laughs> they alternate. I took the uh, I took the under on points scored. I really wish you could take the over under on points scored and then also do like a double double. Because I would take Jared to score like twelve points tonight, so that's the under on his average. I think the over under is like fifteen and a half points tonight for Jared, but I take like the under 
and then a double-double? Because I think he could score 11 and have 12 rebounds, too. So you know you can do that. Well, uh, my app would not let me do it earlier. Uh, they've got combo bets on there for double-doubles. Oh, gosh. I, I'm, I still have so much to learn. Do you but- need me to show you how to use that thing? I swear you don't know how to use anything because you still you're like Easy. DMing us during the show during the show like it's text messaging. Uh huh. Like, do your DMs pop up as t- like notifications? Yes. Do you know why I was doing that? It's so I, I don't, don't have to mess with my phone and the computer and have all the notes that I have in front of me and communicate with Keith and communicate with Spano and try to listen to you down the line. I got a lot of things going here. Now, some of us don't just get well, to look pretty and talk into a damn microphone. An, maybe, shut up. Maybe if you got an iPhone, you could have it all on your computer. No. And you know what? The, every time you say it, I'm going to bump back the idea of ever getting an iPhone another six months. Dude, you don't even use your phone. I clearly do. We talked the, before the show. We okay. text. Yeah. I mean, you might as well have a flip phone. How dare you? You, you are so... Simple-minded about androids, <laughs> and um, one day you know, we're gonna have a come to Jesus. One day, and you're gonna have to use an android, and you're gonna learn out. Uh, you're, gonna, you're gonna find out what you've really been missing on. Uh, no, I'm not actually. Just you wait. I'm gonna engineer I'm, I'm the waiting. circumstances. Let's get to Ron. Welcome to the show. Hello, Ron. Android or iPhone? Hey, how's it going? Okay, you didn't answer the hey, question, buddy. Ron, but it's going very well. Thank oh, you, buddy. Oh, I, iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. All right. IPhone, well, we sorry. can't all be winners. What you got for us, buddy? <laughs> well, I was calling in regards to last night's game, and um, I was watching the game last night. I do agree with you guys that when the game is tight, that um, JB, he's not making the right play calls when the game is tight. But then also, too, um, they didn't get enough scoring from their bench either because the guys look really, really tired, you know, Mobley. Um, and uh, and those guys. Have I mean, really Jetty played twenty six minutes last night, the, uh, scored six points. Who? Jetty played twenty six minutes last night, and scored six points. Yeah, I know he's a bum. Yeah, they need that's that's the guy they need to get rid of is Chatty because he's a choker, man. He's a straight choker. So they need to get rid of him. And but the fact is, so they need they need some uh, some guys off of the bench that's going to give them some scoring. Uh, Levert played well, but the other guys, I mean, they they just, I mean, they didn't they didn't really come up. Um, um, big like they should have. So they definitely need some bench um, help for, for sure. Ron, we so, appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much all there. All right, take care. And see the light on the whole Android thing. Roy, Android or iPhone? Hello, Roy. Oh, hey, sorry, iPhone. Oh, Thank my you. God. All right, what you got on the caps, buddy? <laughs> so uh, my panning meter's pretty dang high but it's not as bad as it sounds this is what i'll i'll say basketball is what i know basketball is what i played and like we beat boston twice at the beginning of the year right and both teams had all their players but love osman wade and one other guy had we had eight to twelve three-pointers a game and i thought okay as long as we whatever our bench does if they can play good because we're going to get what we're going to get from the four, the big four, pretty much every game, which is great. But what I've noticed a lot lately, I check every single game, almost all our losses, you look in the scoring, we have four guys in double figures, and the other team has six or seven. And oddly, JB has reduced all these guys' minutes, got rid of love, 
And our bench is like one of the lowest scoring benches in the league, I'm guessing. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure. And if we're going to have a chance, JB's got to give these guys some more minutes uh, for these last 22 games. Maybe at the cost of some losses, but that's okay because they got to have confidence and they got to have minutes because, like I said, most teams got six, six double scoring guys usually, and we've got four. And Wade and Lavert. All of them, every game, it's six points, five points, four points, two points. Stevens, all under like 10 minutes. So uh, that's pretty much all I want to say and why I panic. Our team was put together well for a minute, but we're in a little bit of trouble right now, I think. So what? So I, when I say pa- hyper or panic, I still feel like the Cavs are on pace to have a top six seed, which, by the way, is probably short-selling it. They're probably on pace to have a top four seed. And I, agree. and I think there's a decent chance that they're going to win at least one playoff series. So okay. th- that to me is why I don't panic. Because if they, yeah, even, right. even just getting a top four seed and being competitive in a first round series, like going seven games in a first round series would be great this year. You're but absolutely I, I, right. So I think, so that's why I'm not panicking. So, yeah. because I feel like if, if I thought they were going to win a championship, oh, right now, yeah, I'd be panicking with you, buddy. Absolutely. I guess what upsets me is, like, it was a little panic, but if we can get back to where we our bench can get us, I mean, if our bench can get us 15 or even 12 more points a game, you're talking about, like, maybe a series or two deeper in the playoffs. It's that big of a deal. That's the difference between last night's win. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Roy, we appreciate you, buddy. I That makes the... <laughs> That man, benching Kevin Love and, and buying him out, it makes it even more perplexing for me that it's like you got one guy as inconsistent as Kevin was. You got, you got one guy you might be able to trust offensively to put in some buckets off the bench, and it was like, eh, it doesn't play good enough defense. Well, isn't that what the other eight guys do really, really well? Uh, or at least in most part, eight other guys do really, really well. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.